today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Shocking news uh, in the sporting world this past weekend. One of the best middleweights in boxing history died. Todd Ant has the details. Ladies, marvelous Marvin Hagler was part of a golden era of middleweights, along with Tommy Hearns, Sugar Ray Leonard, and Roberto Duran. But it was his fight with Hitman Hearns in 1985 that was one for the ages. There's a lot of blood early on here. There has been no boxing at all, just fighting you. Two years later, he lost to Leonard in a fight Hagler thought he won. I beat him, and he knows it. I knew if it's too close. I told you about Vegas. After the loss, he never fought again. Hagler was the undisputed okay. middleweight champ from 1980 to 87. I had to fight hard. In life and in the ring. Marvin Hagler was 66. Todd Ant, ABC News. Uh, some consider that era, the 1980s, as the golden era of boxing. Well, as opposed to, I guess it was back in the 40s and 50s when it was a, a mainstream sport, too. Uh, but it seemed to enjoy an incredible renaissance, and Hagler is part of that, and I think part of the reason for it, too. Joining us to talk about this, our good friend Greg Brady, host of the Greg Brady Show, which is, of course, heard uh, 6 till 9 a.m. on uh, Toronto's Global 640 station. Uh, Greg, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Well, this game is a bit of a shock, didn't it? It did, yeah. I, I think he's been so off the radar and not prominent. Um, and this is also a boxer that hadn't really been in the news for either, you know, getting into trouble, either, you know, I got financial trouble, I got I got trouble with the law, I've got, you know, massive health problems. This does happen, and, and you can see sort of the, the train coming down the tracks for some legends of the sport. That's not the case with Marvin Hagler. He went to he went to Italy to live, as that, as that uh, voicer you played document. He was done after 1987, much to the chagrin of Sugar Ray Leonard, who wanted to, he wanted another big payday. But Marvin was smart with his money, uh, smart with his personal life, stayed out of trouble. And, uh, and yeah, I think this caught a lot of people uh, by surprise. And, and you kind of crystallized it, too. They, you know, that was a different era where I know we just went through like a 50th anniversary of the Ali Frazier fight. I'm too young for that. But the idea of boxers in the 80s just being some of the most recognizable athletes on the planet, which they are not anymore, uh, not by a long shot. Um, that, that, that was the era uh, that you and I remember, Bill, where, where a Hagler, a Hearns, a Leonard, a Roberto Duran were, were recognizable to, to, to almost half the, half the population, I, I would make the case, in North America and Europe and Africa and Asia. I would make that case. It might have been exposure too, though, Greg. If I, I just want to put this in perspective, I mean, I, uh, the, the the Fraser Ali fights and, and even the other Ali bites, the Thriller in Manila, you know, when he went, George Foreman and everything else, uh, those were all pay per view situations. And let's face it, a lot of people couldn't do that. But by the eighties, uh, they that pay-per-view still existed certainly for the, the huge heavyweight fights but the middleweight division uh, got tv exposure i mean there was a fight almost every saturday afternoon with howard mm -hmm. cosell and 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 that like and and we got to know these people and they were personalities you know sugar ray leonard and uh tommy hearns roberto duran of course the hands of stone uh and and of course Hagler themselves i mean they, they became larger than life i think for an awful lot of people that could see them on television well absolutely and and i always think you you could uh, you and i could get in a uh uh, a boardroom and put on a whiteboard sports that have benefited from mass exposure have benefited from i suppose the globalization of of being able to to see it people say to me all the time they're like well when did you become uh you know a european soccer fan when did you start watching you know the premier league or the champions league and i'd say when it was available to us because it wasn't available yeah. to yeah. us for you know most of my uh, most of my natural born life you You'd get to watch the World Cup every four years, and, and maybe, you know, uh, an FA Cup would come on 
here and there. But that was it. And boxing was different than that. I, I would isolate boxing. I'd isolate everybody watched the Indy 500 every year. Everybody watched big boxing matches. And, Bill, I think everybody watched the, the Triple Crown of, of racing. I think everybody mm-hmm. sat there and watched the Kentucky Derby. That would get like a 40 share. And I can't remember when the last time I watched the Kentucky Derby live was or the Indy 500. So we've got all this content. You know, we don't have two Blue Jays games a week. We have seven. Uh, we don't have 35 Maple Leafs games on TV. We have all 82 or there'd be hell to pay. So that was an era where, yeah, you're right, the, the iconic nature of the sport um, and, uh, and, and, and giving people access to it. By, uh, Hagler Leonard is a great example in 1987 Tuesday night was the fight in Las Vegas, and they delay it and show it Saturday on ABC's Wide World of Sports. So if you, if you didn't get to see it live, you, everybody's got a shot to see it at 3.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday. And, and there you go. It, it, like probably you know 50% of sports fans know it's on, and they're going to check it out. The heavyweight division was uh, in, shall we say, disarray back in those days too. I mean, from the glory days of Ali and Frazier and uh, and those likes, uh, it had kind of fallen apart. I mean, there were still personalities and still fights there, but not to the degree that we'd seen, uh, I guess, back in in the sixties and seventies. Uh, and and the lightweight division or the middleweight division really just seemed to take over uh, because of the personalities, but uh, because of the boxing too, I guess. I mean, these guys were all heavy hitters. I mean, Sugar Ray was the he was. You know, he was the artiste, you know, the, the guy that he was the, the science guy that could get through the ring and Deke and Jock. And, uh, Duran and Tommy Hearns were just playing out hitters. I mean, they just they would slug you. And uh, and if there was a, a, a middleweight version of I don't want to try the comparison to Mike Tyson because they had different styles, but it would have been it would have been Hearns because he Hagler rather because he was just relentless. I mean, from the moment of the bell, he just came right out after you. And that was the way he fought. That was just it, and and I know Sugar Ray Leonard did an interview on the weekend with uh, Chris Mannix uh, from SI.com and said that was the that, like that was the closest I came to death is is absorbing Marvin Hagler's blows in that '87 fight, and and it was a real controversial decision. Hagler, you know, punished him and and buried him, but he but Sugar Ray had more punches, and then if you watch any video of that, it looks like Sugar Ray's running around the ring, getting a shot in here and there, and then running, getting a shot in once in a while and running, and, and he was trying to t- trying to psych him out the same way he did Roberto Duran. There's a lot of great debate with Duran's famous no Moss fight, whether Duran, Duran had stomach cramps or he was just so beyond flustered and, and frustrated chasing Sugar Ray Leonard around the ring because Leonard could run and dance and get the crowd on his side. So, so yeah, it, it was, you're right, heavyweight boxing. Uh, Larry Holmes was the, was the title holder for much of the 80s. But I can't. I don't think Holmes has an iconic fight. I don't think there's anything that approaches the Leonard Duran fight or Hagler Hearns or Hagler Leonard. Um, you know, Jerry Cooney. That was a big deal because it was a white guy. It was a great white hope, and that got a lot of attention. And Holmes just just carried him for 11, 12 rounds, is my recollection, and then knocked him out. So yeah, there there was just until Mike Tyson came on the scene in the late 80s, uh, the middleweights and the welterweights. And there's other names as well. Good heavens, uh, like Ray Mancini, obviously, Boom Boom yep. Mancini. There are so many big names that, again, you could, you could walk into any household, go to any backyard barbecue, and start talking boxing, and five or six names, everybody knows them. And now we know that with boxing now because who saw the UFC coming 20 years ago? Who saw mixed martial arts? Our own George St. Pierre becoming a bigger global star 
than than any than Lennox Lewis was, than Razor Ruddock was. Remember how big Sean O'Sullivan was, and all he did really was box in the Olympics. But every Canadian knew Sean O'Sullivan and Willie DeWitt, and so like I'm not trying to date myself with these names, but it documents how big boxing was because we just didn't have access to all these other sports as well. Well, we had high expectations for Sean O'Sullivan and Willie DeWitt, too, uh, based on their Olympic performances. Never really panned out as professionals. Sean was a game guy but uh, uh, and, and fought tough, and, and same thing with DeWitt, but uh, they they didn't transmit that. Uh, Lennox Lewis was a different story, of course. He was a contender and, and, and did very well until he went over to England and became British, and you know we kind of <laughs> lost track of him after that. Uh, but that happens from time to time, too, I guess. I, I was going to ask you about the demise of boxing. I mean, if we call that the, the glory days and and i'm i'm saying that with the caveat that of course in the 1950s and 60s it was great boxing i mean it was on there it was the friday night fights it was on primetime tv back in those days it was a big deal uh it was the science of boxing back then but it had this rejuvenation in the 80s with guys like leonard and hearns and and duran and, and Hagler, of course was it was it mma that really knocked it back and and, and just kind of made it all, almost an also ran sport I think I think it's two fact. I think it's three factors. One, as you documented, the networks uh, for television stopped giving you access to a lot of these fighters. You can you can think about big fighters from the '90s and the 2000s, the Oscar De La Hoyas and uh, uh, oh my God, Julio Julio Cesar Chavez and Roy Jones Jr. And they were never on free television. So you're you're you know you're lo- you're getting on your pay per view. Nothing online. This is almost pre-internet, and you're paying. You know, I'd go to some houses and chip in five or ten bucks sometimes, and and because the the, the pay per view was like sixty nine ninety five, even Mayweather Pacquiao was a big fight five six years ago, terribly boring fight, and uh, and, and we had people over for it, my wife and I, and I, and I, I you know, I think it was like ninety nine ninety five or one hundred nine ninety five, huge sums of money, and, and listen, as we know from the newspaper industry, as we know from how music was downloaded twenty years ago. You start giving people something for free, and then you turn around and ask them to pay for it. Um, in any era, in any generation, the customer is going to be like, why am I doing this? So I think that was a factor. But, Bill, I'd bring up something else, and that's the, that's the rise of professional wrestling in the mid-'80s. They yeah. had storylines and plots and drama, and the fighters would spit, like they'd get into the ring, grab a microphone, and rip into their opponent for, for, uh, for seven minutes. Really well scripted. Like, whether it was The Rock or Rowdy Rowdy Piper or Randy Savage, you're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm hanging on every word as a teenager to this stuff. So we kind of pivoted, even though we knew it was scripted, uh, and, and even though we knew that there was an outcome already predetermined. I do think the rise of the WWF, for example, when they blow out Saturday Night Live in the mid 80s and they say five, six times a year, we're just going to show 90 minutes of wrestling where this iconic show was. Boxing didn't have that kind of cachet to say, well, why don't you put boxing on instead? Nah, it was about Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, and the icons of that sport just just stomped any kind of boxing icons into the ground back then. So it was kind of two, on two fronts, boxing lost its mojo. Uh, I remember those days. I was kind of on the front lines with that because people may remember Vince McMahon, who, of course, was, was the WWF, uh, was so nervous about this i mean the first event was in hamilton it wasn't in new york or, or near los angeles mm-hmm. or even toronto uh, they did it at cops coliseum back then i was actually at the mc for that show and i got out of the way real fast actually you get out of the ring but uh, they were all there you're right randy savage hulk hogan and all by the way very nice guys backstage uh but then you know they get out there in the in front of the crowd and the, the persona and uh and you know 
the Undertaker. I mean, you're right. There was a personality to that. So I could see how that just would just engulf uh, boxing and just say, look, if this is the show. This is what you want. Yeah. This is not just athleticism. This is showbiz now. Yeah, and we really, I think we missed that with boxing because, again, we don't know the fighters. We, we're not going to see them uh, show up on uh, on the late-night talk shows. Uh, they really had to do a better job in, in getting out there. Again, really iconic names within the sport itself, but it's a little like it's a little like a band being, well, they're really big among their fellow musicians. And I'm like, that's great, but does everybody know who they are? Because until everybody does, they're going to play to 2,000 people instead of 20,000 people. So... You better push yourself out there. You better be willing to expose yourself. And, um, you know, even in our business, so much of it is, is the marketing, the selling, the, uh, you know, the ability to deliver the goods, and, and boxing lost that. But as we're talking about Marvin Hagler, my heavens, that, that, that is a guy, and, and again, probably not even as well-known as Leonard and Duran and Hearns were, but, boy, it, it, was, uh, it, it was an era where I, I don't know how we would revisit that just because of the time that it was and the coverage, and yet, and yet, the UFC and Dana White have found a way to make utter and complete superstars that kind of that that kind of you know ape those those '80s boxers, and and uh, you know they're they're sort of mirror images when you got big stars like George St. Pierre and Connor and Connor McGregor. Those are those are the kind of stars that we had in boxing 35 years ago. But it's showbiz now. I mean, showbiz has superseded the athleticism. It's it's not just the science of boxing anymore. Uh, and a guy, I mean, Sugar Ray was a personality. Certainly, Muhammad Ali was a personality. But you're right. I mean, at this time in the heavyweight division back in the '80s, it was Larry Holmes, uh, good fighter, sure. But I mean, he just didn't have the charisma uh, that that uh, some of the other boxers did. And and uh, the World Wrestling Federation was made about charisma. It was all about the persona. It was all about the uh, the showbiz aspect of this, the glitter of this thing. And, and I guess that's what captivated people. Absolutely. Like, I, I think about you played the Rocky theme coming in. So there's Hulk Hogan, who gets a cameo in, in Rocky Three, where he's he, he gets to do whatever he wants in the ring against Rocky Balboa, who's got the boxing gloves on. And all of a sudden, like, Hulk Hogan plays this character called Thunderlips and goes nuts. Well, you're right. We'd all watch maybe, you know, weekend wrestling as kids or teenagers. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, we knew, we, I knew who Hulk Hogan was, but I'm sitting there at the drive-in watching Rocky three. And, and even at age, whatever I was, 10 or 11, I'm like, this is kind of going to be big for him getting 10 minutes in a Rocky movie. That's going to gross a hundred million dollars when movies cost six bucks. This is going to, and it was, it was exactly that. What a massive, massive break. Now, when you talk about boxers, like Canelo Alvarez might be pound for pound, the best boxer on the planet. I, I, you're not going to see him. You're not going to see him in a, in a big cameo. He's not going to walk on the set of Saturday Night Live and have people recognize him, or, or again, what, like a big, a big talk show in, in the UK. So they've got, a, they've got a bit of a recognition problem boxing does right now. And, uh, again, we're talking about a boxer from 35 years ago where, where they just didn't. Like you could, Marvin Hagler could endorse anything during a baseball game, football games, uh, you know, uh, hockey game, Stanley Cup final game, and you'd be like, I know exactly who that is. Boxing struggles with that right now, for sure. Because every sport, I think, has had to pick up on that, and they've had to understand, uh, and, and maybe it was a hard lesson for them to learn, that, that you can't just say, okay, you guys get to pay a lot of money just for the, the privilege of watching us go play this game. Uh, there's got to be some sizzle. And, and uh, you know, the WWF, I guess, has changed that element of sports. I mean, football does it, hockey does it, basketball does it. Uh, they're, they're trying to sell the sizzle as much as they are the steak now. Well, you're right. And, and I think when you sort of transcend your sport, I think you and I, 
and our audience could probably count on maybe two hands, but we wouldn't be using our toes, athletes that transcend their sport right now because everything's just about that sport in particular. I think there's a few soccer players. There's, there's your Cristiano Ronaldo's and whatnot. But look at, look at how big baseball used to be, Bill. Look at how big it used to be where everybody on the planet would know, or everybody in North America, let's say, would know that's Reggie Jackson, that's Gary Carter. Look at, look at even in Toronto, the recognition, the, the recognizability of the Blue Jays. And Mike Trout's the best baseball player on the planet, and he's been for eight years. Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid, iconic, brilliant hockey players. But could they walk down the street in London, England, or Paris, France, or Sydney, Australia, or even a lot of U.S. cities that aren't Pittsburgh or Edmonton? You bet they could. Wayne Gretzky was never, ever going to become the Wayne Gretzky he became if he'd stayed his whole career in Edmonton. And he knew that. I love. I loved how, you must have loved that, too, how Janet Jones got blamed for the trade. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. Wayne, kind of wants to, Wayne kind of wants to go to L.A. and appear in commercials with Bo Jackson. He's won four Stanley Cups in Edmonton. Is he allowed to leave? Can he, can he leave his backyard? Can Michael J. Fox? Can John Candy? There's nothing wrong with those things. No, I, I exactly. I know that's uh, that, boy. You just open up a whole other realm. We're almost out of time, but uh, well, we'll have to pick this up at another time, Greg. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for this, bud. Hey, man. Anytime, Bill. Thanks so much. Again, okay, Greg Brady, host of the Craig Brady Show, of course, on uh, Toronto's Global AM six forty. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from nine to noon on nine hundred CHML.